Hello once again, I'm Sean, and with me here today is... Sammy Tron. And... Thomas. Alright, Thomas. It's acceptable to be just Thomas. I'm glad you finally accepted it after all these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it only took us 30-some episodes. You end up having to accept people for who they are. You can't change them, right? Unless they're mind-controlled. Unless their body is the thing that changes, like the Transformers that we talk about on our podcast, which is called... Sparkcast! <laughs> One of these days we'll get it. Uh, so something cool that I just found er earlier, I was with my mom at in West Virginia, and she lives now near these two antique stores, uh, the Nitro Antique Stores. And so the place upstairs has always been a small, like, comic book storage area with tons of comics and also a small thing of video games. And it always took up about, like, maybe a third of the floor. Been going there for like a decade, just like sometimes randomly looking at stuff there. And even before then, there were always people selling random comics, but never video games. I went there with with, uh, her, with there today because she hasn't been there for who knows how many years, decades. And the entire second floor is now just comic books and video games, Amazing. like wall to wall everywhere. And when I walk in, I look to the left, and it's. A whole two shelves of nothing but Transformers action figures. That is pretty awesome. Apparently they had just bought an entire guy's collection. And they weren't the original Transformers, but they were all the reprints of the box and the figures that looked exactly like the original figures. Hmm. I mean, that still sounds like a lot for like one guy to have to basically fill up just like a section even yeah. like an and owl, like so basically. so he, he said the only thing that you can tell the difference uh, the employee was like the new ones i guess the, the colors aren't exact like only if you have the original can you tell it's like five percent off from that orange to the other orange because some of the colors don't exist anymore or they used metal and don't use metal anymore but yeah so of course i got hot rod i was like yes replica of hot rod and now, of course, I need to take it out of the box and just throw that box away because it got damaged while moving to my new house. I mean, who needs boxes anyways? Yeah, it's not the original from 1986, so it's not like it was worth anything. So Yeah. But it was just like cool to see the like, you know, the original box art. Where was this, you said? Uh, it was a like Nitro Antique Store in Nitro, West Virginia. In fact, they have a podcast. The Antique Store has a podcast? Yes. They, well, the, <laughs> the people that have the upstairs, they do a podcast where they talk about comic books, and they also have an auction live on the podcast for things. I was like, that sounds different, so I have to like check That's it out pretty sometime. pretty cool. The podcast is Third Floor Comics and Collectibles. You can check out the Facebook page, Third Floor Comics and Collectibles, that also has a video version of their podcast. But I don't think anyone else around here goes to antique stores, so... Uh, excuse me, I went to three antique malls two weekends ago oh. looking for stuff. Uh, what kind of stuff? It's ducks. Oh, okay. Because uh, they they tend to have the older vintage Donald Duck stuff, so now I'm just scouring them trying to be like, do I have this already? Didn't you say you already had the giant Donald Duck bread sign that's like eight feet long? I have a copy of it. I do not have the original one, which makes me very sad. Oh, uh, okay. So the original one was at one of the West Virginia antique stores. How much uh, did they have it for? Oh, uh, this was last Christmas. How much so, did they have it for? <laughs> it was like, it was $100, I think. Yeah, it's not bad. One of the uh, the antique malls, not around here, but it was in near St. Louis, had a really rare cookie jar that came out in the 40s that is donald and jose but like like one side has donald and the other side has jose but it's like shaped like them it's not here's oh. a piece of art thing it's just like it's a figural <laughs> cookie jar 
Do you uh, have do you have the very very first Donald Duck orange juice carton? I do not, but <laughs> I do have a stack of when the Donald Duck orange juice cartons used to actually change the design. Donald would be in like a bunch of different outfits throughout the months and whatever, and I would cut them out and I have a small stack of them. Yeah, I remember drinking that and then it went away during middle school. It's still here. Oh, it just must have went away in West Virginia. Well, it's it's certain stores carry it, but they only carry it at least what I actually I don't even know because here in Maryland, they only have the carton of orange juice and like the small bottles of orange juice. But over in Ohio, they still have the apple juice. Huh? Here are a bunch of Donald facts that have nothing to do with Transformers, everyone. Well, speaking of, I've got a surprise for you, Sammy. Next episode is a fan fiction between Transformers and Donald... No, I'm just kidding. I was, like, so excited. Don't get my hopes up. (laughs) Then Sammy got so mad at me for making it up that she left abruptly the podcast tonight. Yeah, I left in that because I had to go write it myself. (laughs) All right, so here you go, Sammy. Who would Donald Duck be the perfect headmaster or power master for then in oh, your God. opinion <laughs> uh i was about to say cliff jumper honestly because <laughs> he's constantly getting into fights and i'm just like that sounds like a donald thing to do i was gonna say is it because they both whine a lot one's always just making ar, 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 noises and the other's like i want to fight i want to kill ar, 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 ar. yeah i mean essentially <laughs> they're both just screaming constantly I watched the Bumblebee movie on Blu-ray. I got that recently. Is this is this the first time you've seen that movie, Sean? Or did you Thomas, see it in theaters? Who is next to you in the theater when you watched Bumblebee? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right, because I because I think I, I arrived late and I missed a part of that battle and you were you told me what it was. No, did no, did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't watch that with you. To get you a Bumblebee poster <laughs> so that you wouldn't miss it, even though you were late for the movie. You remember that one time we we saw Bumblebee <laughs> together, Sean? I remember. <laughs> so have you seen it again so you could actually see the intro? I have not seen it since. No. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, and there's even a special feature on the movie that uh, goes through that whole opening sequence and actually tells you who every Transformer referenced is. Oh, that's cool. So like for the people who don't remember who, you know, Braun is, (laughs) like I was like, that was our character spotlight that last episode. And then he is the guy that shows up, him and Soundwave, in the comic book sequel that came with the the Blu-ray. The one thing I like, though, is that Soundwave was actually pretty pretty funny and pretty cool in the comic because he's just like an, like an overconfident and mouths off to people. And it's different from how he usually is portrayed, but I thought it was the interesting and probably the only good thing about the comic. Uh, I, I, yeah, I like the way Soundwave is. Like, I, mm-hmm. I kind of wish he was more, uh, I kind of wish that they used him to be a more imposing figure. Especially in the latest episodes, he's kind of just there a lot of the time, and he he kind of just his mini. Well, I don't know if they're called mini cons, but oh like, no, now you're gonna, <laughs> now you're gonna get all kinds of hate mail. No, I'm not calling them mini cons. They're not mini. <laughs> they're not mini cons. That's why I, I I caught myself. Okay, but Ravage and Laserbeak they seem to get a whole lot more screen time than he ever does. Hmm. Especially Ravage. Ravage is almost used in every episode. Yeah, it always seems to be Megatron, this is happening. Thanks, Soundwave. Megatron, this has been completed. Thanks, Soundwave. And that, and then that's it. He goes away. I mean, but that was mostly the first few episodes. <laughs> Since then, he doesn't even get lines. He doesn't. It's never showcased that he is actually one of the strongest Decepticons in... Well, compared uh, of the bunch in the, that, in the show. Like, they well, never... Oh, he was never... fighting in a few of the episodes... I just think I just don't think he was in in these last three really. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I don't recall him doing anything like when we watched the episode when they were at the, when they were channeling the power from the that was inside the pyramid. I don't recall. Oh him yeah, doing yeah, that. He it was mostly Starscream and uh, Undercracker, the Flyers, and Megatron. Yeah. It seemed like it was a lot. Well, of no, he was in the beginning when the the stupid Autobots. It was that consists of just Brawn and I think Windcharger are like, oh yeah, we're gonna take on Soundwave and Megatron ourselves. 
and then they immediately get their asses kicked and then retreat and have to call Skyfire for help. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, back to Bumblebee. I didn't like like the news that I saw recently. They said that they're going to try to make the next movie for Transformers a cross between what they did with Bumblebee and what they've been doing with the bigger action Transformer movies. And I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, weren't you trying to redesign things? Instead, it looks like they're just going to continue what they were doing in the first place. Let's go Um, backwards. Well, are you talking about in terms of story or art direction? I don't I don't know. It seemed like they wanted I thought originally they wanted to make more Transformers movies, but alternate between a standalone. But I almost feel like they should just make standalone ones, like maybe take a character or two and make another movie or two out of just one character. That's way too much money into something that may or may not work. Yeah, that seems like a lot of commitment to do up front. But you know what? I That doesn't sound... I guess that doesn't sound too out of line. My immediate reaction was just to like, no, don't do anything like those other movies. But yeah, I think naturally because it, Bumblebee is Bumblebee and there weren't any other Transformers in this movie, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just naturally any of the next movies if they actually involve a handful of Transformers and Decepticons, it's it's naturally just going to be more action-based compared to Bumblebee. Yeah. Well, the thing I was thinking, like, how interesting would it be if there was a, a Starscream movie simply because he's never gotten any really screen time or done anything ever in the movies? And, like, you, I, could, uh... e- you could easily make a reverse movie of that where he, like, basically be- betrays everyone at the end or something. Like, you think he's starting to change and then, nope, He's going to do something that gets him back into Megatron's good graces or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but it's going to sound... Really sound like a compelling plot. <laughs> yeah, I know. That yeah, is, I mean, it doesn't sound wondering. like something that could just be like, well, we want to make a movie about that. That just sounds like yeah. something that would just take place in any Transformers movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll see what they do with it. I think they just announced they want to try to make a cross between both because Transformers 5, uh, The Last Night, bombed. And then... I guess Bumblebee didn't make enough money in China or something, so it wasn't really a huge success. Apparently, I just know I've heard a lot now that movies, if they don't do well in China, they're considered failures, even though they'll make back like twice or three times the money they spent on them. If they didn't do well in China, sometimes they'll think they'll fit their failures for some reason. I don't know if that's the case with with the last Transformers movie or something, but I know that a lot of well, they do movies... make up a huge chunk of the international box office. So, mm-hmm. if like the new Pokemon movie, it it did, yeah. what, like 50 million in America, which is, if it was just that for that budget, that that was actually pretty terrible. But luckily, it made almost like 100 million overseas. So, yeah, I actually went and saw that opening weekend. Same. Yeah, I wasn't even expecting to. Uh, it was, I actually enjoyed it. I actually was th- expecting it just to be an okay movie, and I actually really liked it. Uh, Pokemon, and I love Mewtwo, so like, I adored it. Even my, my, so my friend was like, wait, Mewtwo mentions what happened the exact number of years ago from Pokemon, the first movie. Is the first movie cartoon canon with this live action movie? I'm like, I don't know what Pokemon is except that first movie and this one. So that's my experience with Pokemon. I have more (laughs) memories of, I guess it's the Pikachu Christmas movie. What? (laughs) There's a Christmas Pokemon movie in the snow. Christmas Bash, yeah. Yeah. Why don't the Transformers have a Christmas special where they can teach us about their god whom they worship and uh, (laughs) or in the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special I mean how not to mention anything related to the holiday so that they can broadcast everywhere Well you know Mm -hmm. So man speaking about Transformers Yes after we've talked about all the kinds of uh, things that aren't Transformers who wants to Give a summary, if they can, of what happened in part three. Well, actually, before we get to the summary, I have a question. Okay, go ahead. Because this actually takes place before the episode actually starts. The intro bits that they've been doing for this three-parter, where they just kind of say last time on Transformers and they recap the last episode. I feel like they've done that in previous episodes. Do they usually just tell straight-up lies in these intro bits? There were a lot of scenes that were kind of spliced together in weird and deceptive ways. It doesn't make sense to me. You're recapping an episode that people just watched. This is not like a movie trailer where you just want to make people think something happened that didn't. <laughs> uh, and, and even if they weren't, it just seems like, well, are you just catering to people who just 
didn't watch the first two parts, so we're just going to show whatever. But particularly, <laughs> there was the scene where the volcano was going off in the Autobots' base. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ironhide ran back inside, and he was trying to stop the explosion. And he did that by shooting the rocks in the, yeah. the ceiling. And that fell into the hole where the log went. So, the, to me, the deception in this particular last time on, they showed, I believe it was Bumblebee, when he was falling into the, the crack in the earth that opened up. Because mm -hmm. uh, he was hanging on the side, and then he fell into the black abyss, and then it cut the black for the commercial. But in this particular last time on, it, it showed him falling down into the lava pit that Bumblebee, uh, that Ironhide was supposed to be covering up with a bunch of rocks. So it's just like... I don't, I don't know. Why would they make something a whole lot more extreme <laughs> than it needs to be that, you know, when people just saw exactly what happened to Bumblebee, that part stood out in particular in the last episode. You can't fool anybody. <laughs> this is something I didn't catch that. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. <laughs> there was, all, and I guess at towards the end of that, there was also, they, it was the last time on, but they showed a, a segment of what happened in this episode in the last time on. In this episode... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I brought that up last time. The uh, In episode two, they said previously on and showed a scene from episode three. And then later at the coming up next time, they showed the same scene again because it was from episode three. <laughs> yeah, I did actually see something uh, in this episode. Yeah. Um, in this episode, Braun, he jumped in front of uh, Spike or Spark, Spark Plug, one of those, so I forget exactly, mm -hmm. um, to save them from getting shot by the Decepticons. So they showed that in the last time part. So, yeah, it didn't make any... Yeah, that just seemed like a really odd thing, just those intros. So I don't I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention to the previous ones, but this one I, I was actually watching. I was like, yeah, none of this makes any sense. I always used to like watching the, uh, when I was growing up, watching the X-Men previously ons, because they would always, like, it was always fun to watch how they condensed what happened last episode into 30 seconds. It was just funny to see how, like, from a, from a story perspective, they're trying to distill all that. Or if it's not even a previous episode, it's, like, something that happened, like, three random episodes prior. They're trying to connect it all to catch you up to speed in 30 seconds. And I always thought that was kind of cool how they were able to do that. But, yeah, and this one, it just is, like, this happened, and then this happened, and now with the Transformers. Yeah, it, it was just kind of just poor in general. It's not, it wasn't like, yeah, the last time on wasn't done in a, in a skillful way at all. They tried their best. <laughs> just like Starscream, who tried and failed a lot in this episode, but we'll get to that. Yeah. You take that back. Yeah, did we need a summary? Who wants to try to summarize what happens, this madness? Yeah, I'm not... Okay. Go ahead, Sean. Uh, I just remember that, you know, finding plans on Cybertron, got to escape from Shockwave, uh, something about surfing into the Decepticons' hideout and blowing up the dam with our bodies. Um, and then uh, Megatron basically has human shields, so everybody's got to get the humans away. And then they're like, oh, wait, we can save the planet Earth and uh, because we can blow up Megatron ship with all that energon and use an explosion big enough to propel Cybertron away from Earth. I really wish we knew a scientist or someone who knew math so we could call them up right now and say, hey, if, if this was actually going to happen, if there was another planet somewhere in space and it was like heading towards us, maybe let's say, you know, two Marses, uh, what kind of, would, it, would an explosion be able to push it away without damaging Earth? That's exactly what I took away from that. How do you have an explosion that strong that pushes away a, a moon that it doesn't harm the Earth at all? Well, here's the thing is, for kids' logic, it's fine. Because when you see explosions, not just in cartoons, but in American movies, the explosion always pushes people with force, and they never get any of the shrapnel, any of the actual explosion. All they get pushed with is the shockwave. And they go, and, and the shockwave is always extremely directional. It's like, yeah. as long as you stand off to the side, you don't have to worry about any impact. Instead, you just get thrown into some boxes and you're fine. That's what movies have taught me. <laughs> like, if I see an explosion, all I need to do is be 10 feet away from the house where the explosion is and I'll be fine. Makes sense to me. <laughs> He's the meets the eye. He's a robot in disguise. 
But yeah, so for Season 5, Generation 2, and Japanese differences, this episode was included on the video game Revenge of the Fallen, and for some reason, it's the original video, but uses the Generation 2 audio. Thus, the cybernetic space cube is mentioned, and the sound effects are happening for the transitions when they are not actually present on the video. So I found that pretty hilarious about how that got screwed up. But I still don't want to watch another version of Generation 2, and I sure as hell don't want to play all of Revenge of the Fallen just to unlock it. That sounds terrible. Well, <laughs> and it was just one episode where they just used the Generation 2 stuff? Yeah, by accident. Someone just They must have been separate, the video and the audio files, and, and they just put the wrong ones together. Whoops. <laughs> so who would like to read about the writer? Sarcasm, not appreciated. I'll do it. Okay, oh yeah, Japanese differences. Couldn't find any. <laughs> the end. The uh, <laughs> So, in addition to the prior writers of Dick Robbins, Bryce Malick, and Douglas Booth, we now have Leo D. Power or Power? Par? This is his only Transformers writing credit. He wrote and directed a 1993 film called Rigoletto, and wrote the script for the 1992 feature Split Infinity, as well as the book How to Teach Your Children to Say No to Drugs and Keep Their Friends in 1992. The longest title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you ever want to... Why even read the book at that point? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so, yeah. It's good old Leo Depar. Yeah. I, didn't, I couldn't find anything after that, so I don't How know what happened to him or what he did. It just reminds me, I had this book I remember I got at the end of middle school, and it was some anti-bullying book that was supposed to help kids with like maybe self-esteem or had stories in it about how you don't have to care about the people that bully you or all that. I don't, I don't remember anything about it. Was all it I remember by Ralph Macchio? No. I just remember there's a story in the middle where this guy says, I bet you I can beat you without fighting. And he says... Well, how can you do that? And so the guy takes him on a boat, takes him to this island in the middle of nowhere. And then leaves? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he like, he says he's going to meet him at, at this temple in the distance, and there's no temple over there. And then he gets back to the beach, and the boat's already in the distance. Are you serious? Like, yeah. It's and that like, something? And he says, that's how I went without fighting. And the guy's stuck on the island forever because he can't swim anywhere because it's Hundreds of millions of miles away from anything. That is murder. That is yes. basically murder. And I was joking when I said <laughs> that that's what happened. I, why would something... That is messed up, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the only thing I remember from that book that I don't remember the title of. That was the only story that stood out I remember when I read it. Wow. And that was for kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I need to like find it because for some reason, seeing that title again just made me remember it. But anyway, enough about my traumatic childhood. What did, what did we like and not like about this episode? Me, Grimlock, no like you! I'll start with one thing. The episode ended in a random Cybertron lab, but then clearly this episode starts in Shockwave's lab with completely new art assets in the background. I mean, old art assets, as opposed to the new ones from the previous episode. That's what I mean. That's really weird. Yeah. I mean, oh, I did. They, did yeah. I was just, did they? I couldn't remember. Did they showcase like the hole that they came out of, like the vent? No, because uh, it was Shockwave's lab again with the whole middle cylinder where everybody transports to Earth all the time, and that was clearly not there in the prior episode. Yeah, I didn't like how Braun just took out two random seekers and Soundwave, so he was present by himself, and I was like, dear God, if this guy takes out Shockwave too, I'm just gonna flip my keyboard. And uh... I, I had that down as something that I had to like, especially after just kind of like bashing him in the previous episode where he did he didn't do anything to, deserving of his name and his character description, but definitely in this episode right away, just beating up Decepticons with his bare hands. I think he took them out with, um, he, he, he yeah, he took them out with his hands, but then he also just picked up just a giant metal beam and beat them up with that too. So, oh, oh, yeah, I definitely have to apologize to all the Braun fans out there. There's two things about that. Uh, so Shockwave just stands there and watches everybody fight. I like how he's just <laughs> like, uh, he's like he's judging everybody because then they all lose. And then he immediately interferes and defeats Braun. I'm like, yes, that's what Shockwave should be doing. <laughs> but um, what you mentioned about the wall. 
So all the labs, all the walls are metal, and and the beams fall with just one blast. And Shockwave's lab, that's actually used nonetheless, uh, is one of the few places with life, and you think would be you know constructed well. And then the beam is not metal; it's rock. It's a rock beam that doesn't exist on Cybertron. <laughs> Uh, all right, that was my like, not like, and what the what the f in one scene, <laughs> all in one. <laughs> also in this scene, uh, something I didn't like, which kind of goes back to I'm pretty sure I had this as a something I didn't like in previous episodes, particularly yeah, the one with the pyramid where the scale changes with Skyfire and his size. How it's just the scale is just constantly <laughs> changing. He's going from some massive spaceship to a little guy that can fit into all these little rooms that is just the same size as Braun and all these other characters. Did he? He? he th they? I think. And then they kind of, kind of point out that he is bigger because he couldn't go through the door or something. <laughs> they had to blow up the door so that he could fit through it. it no. Like... <laughs> okay, that was an error. I'm pretty sure because the the two Autobots. I think it's an animation error, but. Well, no, because I think there was down. dialogue. They there was dialogue. Down, and he's like, uh, you'll not escape to Skyfire. And Shockwave shoots a laser blast into the empty hallway that explodes, revealing the empty hallway. And Skyfire says, thanks. And I'm like, what do you mean, thanks? It was already empty to begin with. Well, it's thanks because he made the door opening bigger. He shot when he shot the door, they went, they ran through it. The, the blast hit the wall and it made the opening bigger. Okay, here the it is. The hallway that they were running into, and Skyfire says thanks, so he could fit inside of it. So they they, they had to have been oh, no, aware. I have that. the quote. I have the quote here. Shockwave actually says, "You can't get out." And then after the explosion, he goes, "I can now," and just walks out. Yeah, because he's yeah, so he could fit through. Yeah. No, I, I, but it didn't change the background. It was still the same. And then more stone beams fell from the ceiling. I think. <laughs> I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> Sammy, any likes, didn't likes? Uh, I mean, speaking about, like, the blasting the door thing open, except not that particular part. I forgot who it was who runs through, but he's like, I'll get the door, and then just runs through a wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm that like, was, hmm. That, that was probably the funniest I've laughed, like, in any of these episodes so far. <laughs> it was so dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, that was Braun. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't remember which one it was. But yeah, there was that. And of course, I liked the surfing scenes because that was just cute. Uh, I mean, you know, everything's like... <laughs> it was so cheesy, but like, you know, the world's being slowly destroyed or whatever. And they're like, yeah, me and Surf. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> this is the typical 80s way to make everything seem cool. Just like, well, these guys, let's make these guys surf. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. And also, you just saw them in episode one driving on the water. They didn't need the surfboards. They just did it to look cool while they did it. But then they didn't plan very well because they're like, well, there's Megatron's base. Oh, oh crap. The tidal wave is faster than we expected. And they just collide with it and destroy it. With look, their you know what? There's one way to do it. <laughs> but I thought, I don't understand why they missed a perfect opportunity. P Optimus Prime says, hang on. This looks bad while they're surfing. And so it would have made this a whole lot better if he said, Hang ten, man. This looks bad. <laughs> well, you know, Optimus. He, he hasn't learned that uh that particular vernacular from the humans yet. Back to what you mentioned about size. It's that size are all seem to be relative to what the Transformers are. So they give a CD to, uh, God, why can I only see his face? Wheeljack. And <laughs> it's as big as it's as big as a human. It's not a laser disc size. It's human size. And what's funny about this is that in the Japanese shows after this, they're always using floppy disks. So they like retrograded instead of upgraded further down the line. And this is CDs being stored in, on data in 1984. Was this a prediction of the future of things to come? Oh, well, I think CD players were around in the 80s. Well, not, well, I shouldn't say CD players as well, in Well, for like, data you know, storage. They actually yeah, said the data is yeah, on the CD. People weren't carrying around like little Walkman or anything like that. But like, uh, could could you, could you actually store data on CDs at that time? Like, did people have CD? I'm pretty burners? sure you could. It just it wasn't it wasn't yeah, readily so you it could, wasn't, yeah you 
You, yeah, you're right, Sammy. You're right. It wasn't in the in the mainstream. Uh, so here it is. The very first CD burnable drives were released in 1983, the year before this episode. Cool. All right. So yeah. There we go. I think. Oh wait, no, sorry. We're announced. They didn't come out until 1987, I think. Or is this just worded really poorly because it's Wikipedia? It was like that doesn't make any sense. No, dual sided discs from 1987. Okay, there we go. Wow, I could have sworn dual-sided DVD burning was a huge thing in the mid-2000s, but nobody really did that. They always wanted to use just one side so they could label the other side. Well, I mean, yeah, I definitely sense. hated. Yeah, I definitely hated getting, uh, like buying like anime series on DVD and, and opening up the package and then seeing that they're double-sided and it's like, yeah, can I at least get some cool artwork on one side of these? <laughs> can I at least have less the chance of ruining this? Yeah. They would label it on the inside of the disc in a really tiny font and stuff. It was just terrible. Ugh, yeah. I remember my Farscape disc did that. But by the time I bought it, like when I wanted to get the next season, luckily they re-released it in better editions because I heard that some of those CDs were faulty that they had made in previous versions. So I think people who had owned them could get replacements. And they made re-releases where it was only one disc on each side, luckily. So, so Thomas, I have presents for you. I have two bloodthirsty urgings of cliff jumper for you so in the first one cliff jumper wants to attack megatron before he takes off in his ship and optimus has to hold him back to make yes, him realize yes, that humans yes. will humans will die if he attacks now this is my number one what i don't like about this episode shocker i hate cliff jumper why does he want to go <laughs> At first, you were just being. At first, I thought you were just being fatigued and joking. Because at first, it wasn't that bad. But now they have almost made it. They, someone noticed it the first few episodes and decided to just amplify it. It's getting worse because now he's actually just endangering humans, and he's basically just crapping on Optimus's teachings the way he's trying to lead them right in front of his face. You know why? Why are you gonna try to murder? Megatron, like while these guys, the humans are holding like energon bombs, basically. <laughs> yeah. And also, here's the second one. Ironhide is frustrated because he's in a battle and he's just shooting. He's like, "I'll mow him down." And then uh, Ironhide, the Autobot who actually loves to fight, also has to tell him to cool down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, he's. He says, "Cool down, man. The battle just started." I'll at save that Hound, for later. Yeah, at least uh, Hound has moved on. He hasn't been outside of one of those first episodes. He seems like he's been had his memory circuits upgraded or something. He's got some <laughs> intelligence. They need to stick Cliff Jumper into that hole in the wall with the rest of the bots. <laughs> he could be their caretaker. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to watch them for punishment of disobeying Optimus all the time. What did I tell you? Peace and understanding. <laughs> he's like, but I want to blow them up. Glad he wasn't around when the humans were throwing tools and stuff at the alien Autobots. <laughs> Did I miss something? Because at the end of the episode, Mirage goes into this ship, and then you see the humans carrying the Energon cubes and walking out of the ship. What did he do? You don't actually see what he did. Nor did they ever say what he was going to do. Because later, Wheeljack comes by with his unmind control bomb, after that scene i think he was literally just turning them around really that's 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 my head cannon <laughs> yeah you know what i think that's what yeah i was trying to remember but yeah i do remember that and i think that the decepticons were just getting confused and like wondering like what's going on yeah i think that's just what he was doing just something weird like that <laughs> did you guys like how the autobots were able to save earth by sheer luck so for two episodes, they don't even think about trying to save Earth. They're like, well, let's work on this mind control problem, even though the Earth is dying all around us. They don't try to make a new space bridge to teleport or pull Cybertron away. It's only by luck that someone says, hey, there's so much Energon on that ship, we could blow Cybertron away. Yeah, it was... They kind of... Well, I guess this is just another example of the caliber of writing we're dealing with, where... They just so something, they just something quick and easy just to get them out of this story. Clearly, they, they didn't do the research like beforehand when they decided to have this giant moon-killing explosion. Sammy, any thoughts? Um, 
the uh honestly this whole three-parter has made no sense to me so the <laughs> ending just being like it's a little cherry on top of like rolling my eyes i mean it's a, it's a fun it's a fun three-parter but like god everyone's stupid <laughs> it's a fantasy thing so things like whatever you can you can pretty you can stretch it quite a bit but this just seemed like a very rushed way to end it's a good thing cliff jumper didn't blow up all those humans in that ship uh earlier otherwise they would have had no plan to save the planets maybe planet earth would just gotten blown away from the moon or cybertron not the moon <laughs> i got a quote for you guys here dr archiville's like hmm perhaps starscream is the ally i've been looking for and i'm like yes Good thought there. You have really been uh, watching what the Decepticons do and how they interact, haven't you? But the thing about that scene that was hilarious is Starscream just doesn't want to work. He has to yell at Starscream <laughs> three times, and then after like him being belligerent at that long, Megatron just throws him the generator, and Starscream just like pauses for about five seconds, like he's sizing up his choices, and then he just accepts <laughs> it. Then he just accepts it. And he complies and just turns around and starts working on the generator. I'm like, okay. Like he was, he was like, should I, should I, should I talk back to him again? What should I do? Yeah, I'll just, I just won't risk it. <laughs> but that pause was really long. Like he was thinking there, the gears were turning. Yeah, I, I like little scenes like that. Just the weird timing that they, you kind of think that they do purposely. Or, I thought the hero of these three parters was definitely Skyfire. Like, I see him save the day so many times. In the last episode, he saved three Autobots from propelled out of a volcano. I mean, falling to the ground wouldn't have even hurt them because, you know, Optimus fell from space. He heroically stayed behind to allow the other Autobots to escape. He took out the Seekers so the Autobots could get away. And he took out missile cannons later in the episode so also other people could get away. Like, I feel like I should just start a Skyfire saves the day counter but I'm pretty sure he vanishes from the series after only two or three more episodes. I mean, he is easily the most useful Autobot there is because he's basically being used in every, well, not every episode, but in a lot of episodes he's used to just for, for their travel and stuff like that. I think there was one episode where they needed him to go around the planet. They did, yeah, just needed That's really why they dug flyer. him out, not to save his life, but because they needed a taxi service that could fly. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a lot that wouldn't get done if it wasn't for Skyfire. A guy who doesn't even want to be a part of this war. <laughs> well, no, now he does. He's all into it now. His personality has changed. War oh, has changed somehow. him. Yeah. Cliff yeah. Jumper has changed him. Got to keep those two separated. <laughs> Cliff Jumper was his mentor uh, in basic <laughs> training. Anybody else have any final thoughts for what they liked and didn't like about this episode? Not I. No. Okay. Well, let's move on to animation errors. So I found this really hilarious. Starscream and Thundercracker are guarding a door, and it's just silent for like three seconds. And then kaboom, and it explodes, and all their, and their bodies just go flying, and it was hilarious. I knew it was an animation error because they were guarding Cybertron, and Starscream is you know actually on Earth, but I still thought it was hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I didn't catch that one. Yeah. There was only there's only one more, but it's three animation errors in a row in the final scene. So, uh, start small here. In the final battle, Rumble surprises Mirage, and he has no mouth. Okay. Relatively simple. So, second, Rumble causes an earthquake to try to, you know, make Bumblebee fall again like he did last episode. And the land on the top turns green to brown three to four times as if they forgot to color it a few times. Whoops. <laughs> and maybe they just ran out of green paint in the studio to cover the rest of it because it was a pretty detailed coloring scene. But the funniest scene is near the end when Prowl announcements, Prowl announces that reinforcements <laughs> have arrived. And as soon as he finishes speaking, his face just up and disappears for the rest of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> like his helmet is still there but there's no head inside the top helmet nor neck connecting it and it was like what and they, they stay on it while optimus continues to talk too in response to what he said 
Yeah, I might have to go back and watch that one. That sounds pretty funny. Yeah, I'm like, what? He's <laughs> like, I was like, whoa, what? I was like, my animation error notes up to that point had been like nothing till this final battle scene. Uh, it guys catch any else? Yeah, I actually I didn't, didn't really anything. catch too many. Yeah. Okay. So I'll talk about the deleted audio. I listened to the deleted audio and Reflector was originally three voices, but they changed it to one voice. So there's no, he he doesn't have any of the uh, processing on his voice anymore? I can't, now I can't, I, this was a month ago that I made these notes, so now I don't remember what these notes mean. Yep. <laughs> Oops. Maybe I'll find out once we get to the character segment. Hint, hint. But Megatron says they would have enough Energon from the next tidal wave to finally repower Cybertron, but that not, never happens because the, the the tidal wave destroyed the power plant. The power plant. And when he left for Cybertron, he was just going to rule a dead Cybertron, right? Like, he didn't have enough Energon. Either that or he assumed Starscream, the guy he just tried to kill before taking off, would come to Cybertron with the remaining Energon cubes. Because he was waiting on Starscream to be in, in control of the the uh, the dam to get the final one, but he didn't realize that the one before it had already destroyed the dam. So I'm like, you, he never bothered to check in with Starscream too to be like, ah, how's that next tidal wave? Is it prepared for the next Energon cubes? And like, yeah, about that Megatron. Instead, it's just like he never does anything. That that was it for delete audio that I got. I was like, okay. So now we just have a brief moment. For retcons. Uh, oh, this is a future uh, retcon. So, because I remember I was like, Cybertron basically leaves Earth and will not return until Transformers Headmasters to visit Earth once again, like a comet, apparently. Is that what happens? There's no. Cybertron's just next to Earth? In, in uh, no, uh, I think Galvatron has weaponized Cybertron to be like a battle planet to take over other planets at that point. So he brings it to Earth to be the first planet he conquers with Cybertron. Huh. So, and I already brought that. I guess that wasn't really a retcon where they had they drive on the water with their new invention, and then they're just suddenly on surfboards. Apparently. Anyway. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not like the others. I do what I want when I want. So I have a lot of notes for Starscream's blunders and stupid moments. I don't think we're going to have time for all that. No, maybe we should just skip this segment. Yeah, definitely. Okay. He's, he's uh, a good boy. He doesn't need this. I only mentioned him <laughs> twice. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. The first one is about Trailbreaker. He totally forgets he has a force field throughout the entire episode they're being shot on Cybertron by lasers and missiles that he can block. So, yeah. And Wheeljack's like, let's escape to my lab. And I was like, don't you mean the lab that shockwave and everybody on cybertron knows the location of from the previous episode that they put a lock on it because they knew where it was and, and yet they never bother to check ah what's in the surrounding area that they could have hidden in but you know so what'd you all think of starscream's plan to turn human brainwaves or body fluids into energon yeah um, he tried real hard. It was his only option. My bigger question is why he was trying to do this right outside of Megatron's base. <laughs> but no, no, no. Yes. But no. Here's the thing is he he's at the dam and he decides the best place to go would be right next to Megatron's base to do this too. Yeah. Like what? What? <laughs> the. Uh, yeah. And and also, I'm like, the whole planet is dying around him. He doesn't try to make, like, his own secret generator for a, a tidal wave generator or lightning generator, like in the last episode. He's like, nope, gonna experiment it on something else. Okay. Megatron has his amnesia again. He says, where is Dr. Arkaville? I was like, you just told Reflector that you left him to die. You said he's no longer useful. And then five minutes later, you're like, ah, where is that doctor? And I'm like, oh my God. It's just like, 
Megatron has the worst memory of anyone in this in this show. He never remembers his own plan or what other characters are doing that he ordered them to do. He's just too busy thinking of the next plan. <laughs> Clearly. That, that's what my other notes was like. Why, Starscream, why are you attempting to do this? Right? And Megatron is standing behind them, just listening to Starscream talk the whole time. Oh, oh, but this is the thing. So this was the first time there was ever a cliffhanger for, oh no, will Starscream die was the cliffhanger. The first time the cliffhanger was for a Decepticon about to die. At this point, are people actually caring about Starscream that they care about this cliffhanger? I mean, yes. sure. I mean, we've seen plenty of Starscream. I think a lot of people were fans of his from the first episode, actually. Hmm. Yeah. They're very invested in Starscream's arc and plot and uh, <laughs> stupidity. <laughs> hey, boys! We're gonna be movie stars! So, main character. Are we thinking that, uh, it's Spike again because he shows up at the end to be, I've got an idea. Listen to me, guys. Let's blow up uh, Megatron's ship. Boom, there goes Cybertron. I guess. Or is this, or is this just too much robot just, fighting action? Because just... he was more like emotionally invested in the previous episodes, and they just kind of forget about him to the end again. It's, it's Dr. Arkerville. <laughs> Clearly. He has to come to terms with, maybe Megatron isn't the smartest person I should have teamed up with. And then he says, yeah, it should have been Starscream. And then you head slap yourself, so. Ah, those were the good old days back on Cybertron. Does anyone want to describe Megatron's master plan throughout all three of these episodes? Or is it so confusing we might as well just move on? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't remember... <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I don't remember exactly what it was. I know he, through the whole thing, he wanted to use brainwashed labor, the humans, to carry the Energon. Yeah, well, he was using them as human shields so that his teleport Cybertron to Earth plan would actually work. So he was hoping the human slaves would, the human shields would delay the Autobots long enough for his plan to work. Well, is, is was that part of his plan from the beginning, or did he just happen to just take advantage of that? that opportunity no that was his plan from the beginning he just was like really wanted to make sure he had double plans he was like well i'm gonna you know cause a distraction injure the autobots and then mind control spark plug to damage them even more and then uh and then i'm gonna do it and then if they somehow fix themselves in time uh then i'll have human shields mm. and this way the plan can't go wrong and then when cybertron gets here it'll create so much earthquakes uh, he uses basically lightning collectors to convert Energon and a single dam to collect all the tidal waves that are uh, into Energon that are happening all over. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's it. That's what I was forgetting is that yeah, the storm he caused he he wanted to cause the storm so he could harvest the the, the power. But you only see him look on one screen for the uh, lightning uh, creators. You think it would have made a lot more around the world well, or something I mean... of this magnitude? They got plenty pretty fast, so. So, any final thoughts on this episode before we delve into the character spotlight? No. Okay. Character spotlight! <laughs> Reflector. The most famous Autobot, I mean Decepticon of all time. <laughs> He's so famous, I couldn't even remember his faction. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I can't tell if it's one or three characters, but apparently Reflector was supposed to be one figure, one character, in the Japanese MicroMaster line. And then he was redesigned into three characters that could combine. He was designed by Shinji Aramaki, a famous anime mech designer. Then in early TV scripts... He was supposed to have the power to split into three different people sharing the same mind and voice. And apparently there's evidence that this happens in one episode in War of the Dinobots because all three of them collide into each other and form back into one body as an animation error from the original scripts that were never taken out. But then in the series Bible, it says he is now one character in name, Reflector, but it says he is three different robots in the descriptions but one character 
So that's his. That's how complicated he is. Oi. And then he never got a figure in 1984. It didn't get one until 1986, and that was only a mail-in offer. And even then, now he's been turned into three completely different characters called Spectra, Viewfinder, and Spyglass that turn into Reflector, quote, the camera. So he was the original combiner, you're saying? <laughs> I guess. The most useless combiner. So who wants to read his quote and description? I'll do it. So, Reflector's quote is, See and you can know, know and you can destroy. That might be the most accurate quote we've read so far. His description is, Loves to observe things, vegetation, architecture, earth and topography, and particularly comrades' mistakes. (laughs) Likes to blackmail his associates and is impressed with his own ability. Has highly developed infrared vision that can record images in darkness, through camouflage and at great distances. In camera mode, can emit powerful flash explosions that leaves enemy blind and disoriented for up to 15 seconds. I could already tell that he does none of that ex- in none the entire of it. series. But I kind of wish he did the blackmailing thing. Yeah, is earthen even a word? E-A-R-T-H-E-N? Is sure. that a real word? Or, yeah, okay. I'll take it. Well, it's not red underlined, it's green, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is a real word. Okay, cool. Anyway, but yeah, so yeah, he doesn't blackmail. They, you never see him use his ability to like, like when they're on night missions or like. From we space. just forget that we have him. Yeah, well, they usually use him as manual labor. They're always like, ah, take these cubes to the space bridge, and he's like, fine. He just becomes generic grunts at that point, and apparently there's like many of him. Whenever they need a generic Decepticon body, when it says. There are 30 Decepticons in the background. People just start drawing lots of reflectors. Probably because he's the easiest to draw. Probably. But he does use that flash explosion to blind people in one episode, I remember. I'm just trying to think of what, what Krillin's move is, because that's what it reminds me of. The stupid blinding uh, thing. Yeah. From Dragon Ball Z. What does he say? Yeah. I forget what he says. Right? All I'm thinking is, Senzuween! That's not it. Oh, yeah, and that, and his move, despite being, like, a human move, is, like, that even works on everyone from Cell to Frieza, doesn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. great. It's but like, Cole yeah. is the strongest human. He's, like, so weak, but all his energy blasts can take out, like, everyone if they could actually, you know, if they were actually slow. <laughs> Look, Krillin does his best for being a human. Yeah. Anyways, reflectors fade after the movie. Wait, I still function. He was last seen in the movie at Starscream's short-lived coronation, in which Starscream himself was also short-lived. And (laughs) I hate this. (laughs) Sorry, I skipped that. I was trying to make a a bad pun. I I realize that. I'm sad. Sad moment for Starscream. Uh, Reflector then vanished forever without reason and only appeared in Japanese stories that were prequels to the movie. In the series Bible, under Dendum, it says for Season 2 that 19 additional characters are introduced here, 15 Autobots and 5 Decepticons. Models shown are not in comparative scale, although Reflector should no longer be used as a character in the series, Jetfire will be redesigned and reintroduced in the near future. Then, under his Bible entry, it states in all caps before his name, Toy Discontinued, Do Not Use Character. <laughs> Somebody did not like Reflector. He is also the only toy to be referenced like this. That's kind of ridiculous. I know it is. It's like they were already drawing him into the series. So it's just like, what what happened? Because you don't see how the toy didn't arrive till 1986. And at that point, they changed so much stuff. It wasn't even. So I'm just like, what what happened? Reflector just looks like they were trying. (laughs) They had to see it some blackmail on people. So fun facts about Reflector. In China, his name translates as simply camera. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I can say that real quick. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not sure how true this is, but it seems to indicate that after season one, writers were forbidden to use him. And so, anytime you you see Reflector in season two or three, it's just the animators who were used to drawing him, adding him in the background when they called for generic Decepticons. Wow. So he is the Transformer with the least amount of info on the TF Wiki page that we've done by far. 
Everyone usually has two pages, or if you're, say, you're Braun or Huffer, you get, like, a main page and a figure page. Reflector has one. Everything is just fits in one. It, apparently, after his 1986 figure, he wouldn't get another figure until 2014. And even then, he was in one figure with an Insecticon. And then he got a That's... Combiner Wars figure in 2016. Does he still turn into a camera? Of course not. He's a recolored shockwave, so he turns into a flying cannon. Right, that makes sense. And apparently you can mess around with it to uh, get him to look into, like, a Cybertronian camera. I don't really know. And then apparently in 2019 you can get just one of them that doesn't turn into anything called Refractor because I guess now he's got copyright problems involved with his name even though he looks exactly like Reflector, like, verbatim from the cartoon. But, and hey, if you buy him three times, he actually does turn into a camera with all three of them. Huh. So buy the ca- buy the action figure three times, kids. I mean, adults, because it's 2019. Kid adults, same thing. Yeah. So in total, there are only seven figures of Reflector, and one of these, I'm counting, is just an unchanging camera that you get with a Megatron figure as, like, a bonus that he can pick up and put in his hand like an accessory. So from all of this, I just have one question. <laughs> okay, just one. Why didn't they just kill him off in the movie? Oh. <laughs> they forgot to. It seems to. like they just didn't like him, or they just were like, we don't want to use his character. We just, It just wasn't working out. and But they just kind of let him just walk away. He didn't die. Well, he, they were... Well, he vanished with. He was supposed to have vanished without a trace in season two, and by the time they're writing the movie, season two has not really uh, happened too long yet, or it's like in the middle, or development of season two in the movie are happening at the same time. I don't know. So they had the directive that basically said, "Do not involve him whatsoever," which means they probably couldn't even kill him, even just for fun, and that was just the animators doing it and like you know effing up the movie by accident and now people are going to be like but that's canon he's not a lot he's not dead he's alive out there that's that's really weird i know <laughs> any of you guys even take note of much of reflector as we see him in these episodes because he shows up a lot in season one like nearly every episode as background characters or the generic grunts even in this episode he's the guy reporting to megatron the last half of the episode all the time I still remember one of his forms going to the space bridge and not being able to come back. But then all three of them were back. And then it cuts to Cybertron and that guy's still there, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because someone else had that scene to animate and they didn't know what the other person was animating. Like you do. (laughs) It was one of his secret powers they weren't allowed to discuss. You know, what's funny is Reflector is actually one of the Decepticons I remember the most after the main, like, four or five. Just probably because as a kid, he he seemed to always be everywhere. And plus, the VHS tapes I had were episodes four through eight anyway. So he was in all of those, since those were the ones I watched all the time. So, like, and he and he talks a lot, too. He has a lot of screen, like, screen time with his voice. So it's just weird, like, that... And nobody, like, uses him really either, even in the comics, I don't think, too often. Or at all. If they do, it's like a cameo, like, hey, they exist, remember them, and then they leave scene. They don't have scenes where, like, his three forms are teaming up the fight against some of the Dinobots or them in his forms going against, like, uh, the Flyers. Just, like, I don't know, vying for power. There's no storyline about the two of them teaming up to take out the third one that uh, turn-coded to the Autobot <laughs> side. And he's like, what does that say about us since we're all the same person technically? And so, you know, they have an existential crisis and, you know, the whole episode is just, you know, philosophy. I mean, for this show, that would have been a pretty interesting angle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you think he should have died in the movie then? How would they have killed him? Because the Decepticons didn't really get killed in the movie on on scene. They were all killed, like, off-screen. Or Optimus's blast is what did the men, at least uh, initially, it seemed. They should all be running in three separate directions, trying to escape from devastation, but they all three of them get shot in the back at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Any last thoughts on Reflector before we sign off? Any uh, special 
crushes on this awesome Decepticon we're going to forget about right after we stop recording. His special power, some would call it Solar Flare. <laughs> That's what we couldn't remember the name of, uh, which isn't really Krillin's move. Tian Shan, he's the inventor of that, and they learned it from him. Wait, That's what was it. the move called? Solar Flare. But can't he use it too? I know he he's been they able to all, use it. A lot of a lot of the Dragon Ball Z characters eventually learned that. Even the villains like Cell, he well naturally Cell had that power too. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for listening to another exciting episode of Sparkcast, and we are your hosts, Shantikon. I've used that before. Oh God, I'm not original. Go ahead, Sammy. Say something cool to make up for my uncoolness. Sammy Tor. Ugh. <laughs> Look, I tried. No, I said, uh, because it was good and much better than mine, and I'm jealous. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and Just Thomas, what's what's your name? Just Thomas, just shaking my head. <laughs> just shaking my head. <laughs> All right, good night, everyone. Night. See ya.